All right, so the kids are heading off to kids' church. We're going to talk about something that terrifies people, something that a lot of people want to do, but they're afraid to do, and that's speaking. Now, public speaking is something that is a fear of many people. Public speaking is something that uh, a lot of people are afraid because they don't know what they're going to say. And one of the greatest things that you can do is to spend time in God's Word with your devotional life so that whatever you have to say flows out of what God's been speaking into your life. Proclaiming Jesus Christ. Everybody wants to do it. Everybody feels like they should do it. Everybody thinks about, wow, wouldn't that be great if I could do it? But what is holding you back? Sometimes it's the lack of information. Sometimes you don't really know what you would say if you were given the opportunity. Sometimes you're terrified that somebody's going to ask you a question you don't know the answer to. And I'll tell you that if you go to Bible college and Bible graduate school and everything like that, it doesn't get any better. You don't take all those classes and go, wow, I know everything. Ask me any question, I've got the answer. Instead, you're even more terrified now because people expect that you have the answer. And sometimes people ask questions where there is no answer. Sometimes people ask questions that there's not an easy answer. And sometimes you just get old. I mean, the Christian and Missionary Alliance is about the fourfold gospel of Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, Coming King. Those four things. And I've known that for like two decades. And I was talking on the phone with someone from a, another, another church. She was having some kind of problem talking to me about it and everything. And she literally asked me, what does that logo mean? What does this Christian Missionary Alliance stand for? And I'm sitting there going, sanctifier, healer, coming king. Uh, it's coming. Hang on a second. I guess the fifth one is completing his commission. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Savior. And it's like, how do you forget that? Which makes me even more terrified now that uh, I might forget the obvious. Maybe it's, it was tired. I don't really know. But it's just kind of funny that you could... Forget something that's so obvious. Nonetheless, to be bold in proclaiming your faith. And in my years of experience walking with the Lord, I have found repeatedly that when He wants me to share a message with somebody, when He wants me to proclaim Christ, when He wants me to speak to somebody about something in the name of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit empowers me, often gives me things to say that I didn't plan or helps me to say it in a better way than I thought before. And so if you are faithful to show up, God is faithful to work through you. So that's what we want to talk about in the moments that we have today. But power to be bold because Christ speaks through us. So you don't have to argue people into the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit convicts them and then He uses you and me. He uses people to proclaim the message. He doesn't use angels. He uses you and me. He uses us to preach or to proclaim or to share the message Christ speaks through us. So we, as Christians, we have power and authority. So when we got saved, when we received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we received the Holy Spirit. And through that power, we're able to accomplish God's purposes and to proclaim the Lord and to do what God has for us, to fulfill the things that He's told us to do. So we have power and authority, Acts 1.8. We receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. You'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. So we do receive the Holy Spirit's power to tell other people about what we've seen and heard, to tell people about Jesus, to tell people about the thing that we know that Jesus Christ saved us, has changed us, is in the process of making us more like His Son, assuring us heaven. All those things, you share that as a witness. We receive power to do that. We receive the Holy Spirit when we get saved, but we can yield to the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit, and be moved in the Spirit 
And then uh, Jesus has authority and he's given it to us. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So we have power and we have authority. We have a mandate. We're supposed to make disciples, fully devoted followers of Christ. That's why it's great to be in a small group. It says we're supposed to be baptized. If you'd like to be baptized as a believer, let me know. We need to, in the beginning of the fall season, have a baptism time after church. But we have power and authority. And either that excites you and charges you up and motivates you, or it just makes you feel more guilty about the thing that you're not doing because you're afraid to do it or because you don't know what to say or you don't know what to do. And the Bible makes it clear when you read through it that when Jesus calls you, he equips you and helps you to accomplish his purposes. So we don't do works so that we make ourselves right with God. We do works because we love God. And we're not going to do great things for God and then say, look what I did for you, God. But instead, it's more like, look what God did through me. I could have never done this on my own. Praise God. He is awesome. He equipped me, empowered me, and worked through me. So we speak boldly about what we believe deeply. Isn't that true in just about everything that you have or own? I mean, if we started talking about trucks, some of you would be like, oh, Chevy trucks are it. And others are like, no, I had a Chevy truck. It was bad. Dodge trucks are where it's at. And someone else would be like, oh, Ford trucks is where it's at. And another person would say, you know, I've experienced all those trucks and Toyota trucks are where it's at. Or I lived in a different country and Mercedes trucks are where it's at. I'm not really sure why they don't sell Mercedes truck pickup trucks. I know they make them, but they don't sell them in the U.S. But people speak deeply about that. They talk about sports teams. You want to talk about the Vikings? No, let's not get off track there. Yesterday was a disappointment, right? But we speak boldly about what we believe deeply. Saul is going to be Paul, become Paul, so he sees Christ. He's in the process of changing, and it said, Saul moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord, Acts 9.28. It says, so Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, Acts 14.3. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. When we speak boldly, we don't care about what other people think about us. We care about what other people think. I mean, we don't want to be mean. We don't want to just smash them over the head with our Bibles and say, turn or burn, baby. I don't really care. You know, it's not what we do. But we love them and we care for them and we try to show them Christ's love. And when we tell them the most important thing that I can tell you, the most important thing I can share with you is Jesus Christ. The most important thing, if I was, if I, I'm your friend, right? Right. So we've been friends for a while, right? Right. I wouldn't be a very good friend if I didn't tell you about the most important thing that's ever happened to me, would I? No, you wouldn't be a very good friend. What is it? It's Jesus Christ. Oh, that? Yeah, no, let me tell you about it. Maybe you heard about Jesus. Maybe you don't understand. Let me tell you the gospel message, the true gospel message. Bold speaking. So we are in Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4 and 5, we see that Peter and John have healed this, this lame this lame beggar, and everybody's seen it, and everybody's talking about it. And the Sanhedrin, the, the city council, the government, is not happy about it. And they're like, guys, you know, this, don't, don't do this again, okay? We're, we want you to just be quiet, okay? We're not going to hold you in jail, but you just don't, don't, don't do this anymore. Just be quiet. And, but no, they went back to their church folk, and they talked about it and prayed about it, had even more courage. To proclaim Christ. So Acts 4.16, the council says, what are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men 
to speak no longer to anyone in this name, in Jesus' name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Is that you? Can you not stop speaking about what you have seen and heard? You know, sometimes in the Christian life, when we first receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, it is so different that we just want to tell everybody. And it is awesome, you know, because we're like, I mean, some people are still like swearing and using all sorts of words that, you know, most Christians don't use, but they're so excited about it and they're telling their friends about Jesus and the little, little that they know and their friends are like, wow, really? You, Jesus freak, who knew? Wow, but it seems pretty genuine. How do I get into that? How do I get some of that? But then, if you're in the church for a long time, or you grew up in the church or, or whatever, you become convinced that nobody cares, or everybody knows that, or it's not really a big deal, or it's not really my business to say, or what Moses say? God sends someone else. That's what Moses said when God told him to go back to Egypt. <laughs> Moses says, he's got like a burning bush there. Well, God, I'm not a very good speaker. Slow speech, maybe he stuttered. He's like, send someone else. That's bold speaking, actually, but not in a good way. Telling God... You're calling me? Send somebody else. Actually, I guess I did that too. When I had an opportunity to come down here to plant a church in Belle Plaine, I was down here once and we came through the back way. It seemed like this nice little country town. It seemed like a nice place to be. I went back up, got my wife. We came back down again. 100 degree day, 100% humidity. House was $100,000 more than our house for less, less of a house. And anyway, so I talked to some people around and went back up north to where I was at talked to the Christian and Missionary Alliance leaders. I, I said, it's a great, you, you should, you should plant a church there. Send someone else. That's what I said. So we prayed about it. Six months later, moved to Belle Plaine. But God can work through you. God can do amazing things through you. If you would be faithful to show up, that's when God works. Bold speaking. So I believe, because I believe so deeply, then these things are true. Because I believe so deeply. Number one, I can't help but speak boldly to myself. Number two, I can't help but encourage you. Number three, I can't help but lovingly correct you. Number four, I can't help but lead you toward Christ. And number five, I can't help but pray for opportunities. All those are already in your outline, so you don't have to feel stressed about trying to fill in the blank. All right, number one, I can't help but speak boldly to myself. David had gotten himself into trouble, and they were going to stone him. It says, David was greatly distressed, and the people spoke of stoning him, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. In 1 Samuel 30, David was supposed to become king. David went through all of these difficulties with Saul. He went through all these things, and he wrote a lot of the Psalms. And you see this constant roller coaster of his emotions in his life, of, you know, even these imprecatory Psalms, that's what they're called, where David prays things that are really wild. Like, um, oh God, you are so wonderful and holy and perfect and pure and loving. Slay my enemies, chop off their heads, kill all their children, destroy their lands. And I love you, God, because you are patient. I mean, it sounds like that. It's like, whoa, what is that? And that's really how we felt about stuff. And I don't encourage you necessarily to pray like that, but that's being real. And really, some of David's enemies were really troublesome. But so David encouraged himself in the Lord is God. David encouraged himself, I've got the promise. I know the Lord. I know he's with me. Uh, even when he fell into sin, he knew that he was supposed to get back on track. And it's the inner thing, inner thoughts. It's the, uh, Stephen Furtick wrote this book called Crash the Chatterbox, in which he really did a good job talking about the inner thoughts inside your head. But 
It's the self-talk inside your head that can encourage you or discourage you, can give you boldness to step up for Christ or shut you down and make you sit down on your hands and just be quiet. Sometimes it's uh, the inner thoughts inside your head that you need to get control of. So David encouraged himself in the Lord. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message about Christ and all of its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And we talked about that a while ago. But are you spending time in God's Word? You can listen to it through the YouVersion Bible or Bible.com or Bible app. It's all the same thing. It's got different names. You can listen to God's Word. You can read God's Word. There's even, there's even Scripture set to music. Memorize God's Word to get it in your head and get it into your heart. The Bible quizzers this year are going through the book of John. And if you had a kid or a grandkid of any year that I would want my kid to be a Bible quizzer, it would be this year. Because if I think there's any Bible book that is worth memorizing and getting into your head and heart, it's the book of John. And I'm excited for what the Bible quizzers will, will learn and what they will get into their head and heart. But let the message about Christ fill you. Get it into your head, into your heart. Know what it is. And then constantly be thinking on it, dwelling on it, meditating on it. And that will feed your boldness. That will enable you to have the right thoughts coming through your heart, your head, your mind, and even out of your mouth. Joshua is given the opportunity to take over after Moses had done these great things for God's people, for Israel. And now it's Joshua's turn to take over. And he must have had a problem with being scared or terrified. I would be terrified to try to fill the shoes of Moses. So God says, Joshua's This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. Then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So as you're outgoing and you're focusing on God's word, you think about things and it's like, this is something God wants me to do and I'm going to trust him because Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's in context because I know this is what God wants me to do. I'm not just trying to, you know, gain an athletic trophy for my own glory, but I'm trying to serve the Lord. I'm trying to do this thing and I'm going to trust him and claim that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I'm going to trust that Christ will strengthen me and help me to do this. But getting God's Word in your mind and your heart, and then even sharing it with others. It's great when God's Word is, you're so full of God's Word that it just kind of oozes out in conversation and in your daily life. And then you take captive the thoughts that come in your mind. Sometimes things come into your mind that are not good. I'm not sure sometimes if it's like satanic temptations or whatever, but sometimes you get negative thoughts in your head. Sometimes you get accusations in your head that tell you you're unworthy and you know God knows what you did and he surely doesn't want to have anything to do with you and or what you've been or you know skeletons in your closet 2 Corinthians 10:5 we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God and we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ and the same thing is true with our rebellious thoughts that we capture them and do all that we can those thoughts that come into your mind to answer them back with scripture and say I ask forgiveness for that I, I renounced that sin, I'm not going there again, I ended that relationship, I'm moving forward, I'm forgiven, I'm a new creation in Christ, and I've got a new life and new hope ahead of me. God holds me responsible not for what I did in the past since I'm forgiven, but for what I'm doing in the future, and I'm going to live this day for Him and take those thoughts captive. When I recommend books, no, I don't always you know, recommend 100% of everything that the author has ever said or preached, 
nor even 100% of the book, but parts of it are really good. And Stephen Furtick says, even in the times when God calls us out on something we're doing wrong, his purpose is to raise us up, never to beat us down. And that's in that book, Crash the Chatterbox. When we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, he wants to make us holy, wants to make us like himself, wants to help us to be set free of the chains of sin and addiction and to move forward in a new life. Whenever we're convicted of sin or disciplined for sin or um, you know, struggle with sin or feel unworthy because we are sinful, know that Christ is trying to pull us up, not trying to destroy us or belittle us or squish us down, but he wants to raise us up to make us more like himself. And there is hope in that. And that we need to spread that hope because so many people think that if you serve Jesus, it's this long list of rules. You can never measure up. It's just guilt, guilt, guilt. No fun, no fun, no fun. And it's not that way at all. If you do what God wants you to do in your life, then you are rewarded. There's joy. There's not regret. When you look back on your life, you're like, I am so glad that God worked in this way and that way and God is part of my life. Instead of looking back on your life saying, yeah, I rebelled and did that. Regret, regret, regret. So instead, there is righteousness, hope, forgiveness, eternal reward, so many things. Neil T. Anderson, another author that I don't necessarily agree with everything, but uh, his Freedom in Christ Ministries has this great list of who we are in Christ, and I included some of these on your bulletin. But think about these things. Get these things going through your mind. There's Bible verses to go with this. But I'm a friend of Jesus. I'm established, anointed, and sealed by God. I'm born of God. I'm God's temple. I'm a minister for God. I'm able to approach God with freedom and confidence, full of peace. I am God's workmanship. I am, cho- I am chosen and appointed to bear fruit. I'm assured that God works for my good in all circumstances, Romans 8.28. So and he's got a long list, and you can actually, I can get you a link actually to a list of something you can download that has who the Bible verses for who you are in Christ. And there's actually a wrong thought and a right thought, like a, uh, you know, you're unworthy, and then the Bible says you are worthy in Christ and gives you the Bible verses. But I can get that for you if you want that resource. Number two, I can't help but encourage you. River Rock Church about, is about worshiping, encouraging, learning, and loving. And we want to encourage each other. So Hebrews 3.13 says, encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. And we want to encourage each other and build each other up. Hebrews 10.24 talks about how important it is for us to come together as a group, as a body of Christ. I mean, we could do internet church or listen to a podcast. I listen to so many sermons and podcasts all around, and they're great. I get so much information and sometimes encouragement, but it's not personal. People don't come up to me and encourage me. If I really had a problem and difficulty in in the world or in, in my life, you know, I don't foresee myself trying to contact the podcast people. But, uh, you know, church people, I have a difficulty, and I connect, I call, I get together, or you get together with me, and so, but let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. You ever thought about spurs? Now, I used to live in Colorado, got to ride horses up and down the mountains and stuff like that, and if you really have spurs on, spurs uh, get an animal to take notice, to uh, be motivated to action, or to not do things because they don't want to get the spurs in the side. So how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, to motivate, to sometimes correct. But let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching, the day of the Lord 
approaching. So we encourage each other, we gather together, we do all that we can to help each other grow in the Lord and to try to find other people that may be somewhere a little behind us and, and bring them along. Wouldn't it be great if every one of you were investing your life into somebody for discipling them, helping them grow in Christ, and um, helping them to understand the Bible? And all you need to do is be a step ahead of them to share. There's so many resources, but to be investing in people, encouraging them, spurring them on towards love and good deeds. Number three, I can't help but lovingly correct you lovingly correct you. And there is a time when you see someone that you know, a brother and sister in Christ that's crossed the line, that's in some kind of sin or whatever. Now, this doesn't mean you turn into a Pharisee and you're all nitpicky and you want to tear them down or you know, be better than them. But sometimes God will put on your heart that you need to talk to your brother or sister in Christ about something that they're into, something that they're doing, something that's not right, something that you can clearly show from Scripture that it's just it's not good. And maybe they don't see it or maybe they do, but encourage them to do the right thing. Proverbs 27.6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Um, some of my experience in that has been in the past. Um, I have lovingly tried to help someone see that something in their relationship was not right and that it didn't honor God and it wasn't the right thing to do. And at first they were very mad at me. And then a while later, like two years later, I guess, we received a card from this husband and wife thanking us, thanking my wife and I for doing that, for getting in the way, for taking a stand, for trying to lovingly guide and correct because their marriage was in way better shape than it was before. We're told to preach the word. 2 Timothy 4.2, Paul tells Timothy, preach the word, be ready in season and in out of season, rebuke, correct, encourage with great patience and teaching. When you preach, you're trying to bring about life change. You're trying to bring information together to get people to change their behavior, to change their attitude, to change the way that they live to come into a relationship with Christ. And God uses the foolishness of preaching to make a difference in the world, which means that God uses you not necessarily to stand on a soapbox and to yell at people or to preach into people's faces in an unloving way, but uses you to communicate God's Word to them. So you are often Jesus' mouthpiece, and you need to be ready in season and out of season to rebuke, correct, and encourage. Rebuking is basically strongly disagreeing with or uh, standing against something that somebody is doing. Correct and encourage. There's always encouraging there. Encourage with great patience and teaching 2 Timothy 4.2. And 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and useful for to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. So, Scripture in us, flowing out of us, sometimes brings us to lovingly correct others. Sometimes lovingly correct ourselves, too. James 5.19, my dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. And people don't always like it. Proverbs 12.15, fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can help you to help people that have fallen into sin find their way back, to find their way back to God. So God calls us to correct our brothers and sisters, to watch over them, to care for them. And as a church, we do all that we can to guide and correct and to encourage. So number four, I can't help but lead you toward Christ. 
you know, we share Christ, and sometimes we're just so disappointed because, you know, it's like, okay, well, I got together to prove this person. Maybe your boss. I always think that the hardest people to lead to Christ are your family members and your employer. But anyway, so you get together, and you share your faith story, how you came to Christ, what Christ has done in your life, and things like that. Maybe some answers to prayer. And then you show Scripture and talk about maybe the four spiritual laws or how we're all sinners and we need to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And so you go through that whole thing. And then you ask, you know, is there anything keeping you from coming to Jesus right now? That bold step to ask for a commitment. And then it kind of blows up in your face or something like that. And then you think that you've failed. But actually, no, because God sees that you are proclaiming Jesus, and so that's reward-worthy. He's pleased with that, that you're proclaiming Jesus. And uh, sometimes what you're doing is planting a seed of faith. So sometimes when you plant a seed and people hear, you know, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ from you, and then um, they're like, well, that person works for me, you know, whatever. But then they hear it from somebody else, so that person is like in my industry, somebody I look up to, and they think that too. And that person is a professional that I really look up to. And anyway, they say it takes like six to eight different um, gospel presentations for someone to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So just know you're part of the process. So we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard, is what Peter and John told the council. And Psalm 126.5 says, Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. And that's kind of cryptic, but basically if you are broken for lost people and you're praying for them, you're even crying because you want them to get saved. You know, you're just so broken for lost people. And you are out planting seeds, seeds of the Word of God. You're out there sharing your faith and sharing some of those How to Find God New Testaments and uh, um, knowing or connecting with God tracks and things like that. And so you're planting this seed. It says, they weep as they go to plant their seed because they're brokenhearted for these lost people, but they sing as they return with the harvest. These people are getting saved and you're so happy and full of joy and you're singing and the Lord's bringing in a harvest through you. So I can't help but lead you toward Christ. You know, another reason I can't help lead you toward Christ is because Christ is in me. When I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, then I became His. I'm no longer my own, but I'm Christ's. And 2 Corinthians 5.14 says that we're under Christ's control. So either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive His new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. I can't help but lead you toward Christ. You know, some people get really confused about the Christian life and uh, repeatedly we, we see this, that people get Christ in their life and instead of sharing the gospel, they become big into social action. They become big into, you know, trying to, you know, feed the hungry and clothe the homeless and all those things that are really awesome, but they don't share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Someone was on the Salvation Army for um, during this one disaster, they were out there and they're feeding and providing blankets and stuff for these people in need. But they're also proclaiming the gospel. And so they were being criticized in the national media for um, sharing their religion while sharing these resources and supplies. It's like Salvation Army, duh, that's what they're about. And if you truly are an, a person in need, you need, you need shelter, you need clothing, uh, you need hope, you need Jesus. So, but, so don't get so caught up in doing good things that you don't share the good message, that you don't share 
the word of Jesus Christ. They should go hand in hand. D.L. Moody said, I thank God that the gospel is to be preached to every creature. There is no man so far gone that the grace of God can reach him. No man so desperate or black that he can forgive him. Black in sin. So D.L. Moody was from the 1800s and he started the Sunday school movement. Basically, he was out proclaiming Jesus Christ and he told all the listeners that were in his attendance that night, he said, well, why don't you go home and think about receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and come back tomorrow and see if you want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then that night was the great Chicago fire and many people died. So it's important when we have opportunity to try to draw people to Christ. Number four, I can't help but lead you toward Christ because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that an awesome promise? Okay, so we bring people into a relationship with Christ and then their lives are eternally changed. And that should motivate us. That should be on the top of our priority list. We should pray that through and ask God to help us to draw people, to call people, to share Christ with people so that they will call in the name of the Lord. Because everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call in Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they have never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them that's preaching? How can... And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. But not everyone, who, not everyone welcomes the good news, the gospel. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing, that is, the hearing, hearing the good news about Christ. So I can't reach everybody. There's people that you work with, or people that you go to school with, or people that your neighbors with that I'll never have a conversation with. But God can use you. God can use you. So hopefully I can encourage you to share your faith and give you some resources and you'll take that to your coworkers, to your neighborhood, to your industry, to your hobby and go out and reach those people for Jesus Christ. I can't help but lead you toward Christ. I'm going to show you a video clip. This lady is a school teacher and she wants to share Christ with people and she's trying to figure out how to make that happen. But she says by building relationships with her students over time, Antonia has earned the right to speak hope into their lives. I'm a teacher. I teach 10th and 11th grade history in downtown Dallas. I came into it wanting, of course, to share the love of Christ. Um, and the way that I do that isn't nearly as, I think, obvious as I hoped when I first walked into my school. There are rules or even constraints on what I'm able to share. And so when those opportunities arise, it's difficult to weigh the balance of what what's appropriate or what I'm allowed to share sometimes. Of course, walking in as, a, as an educator, my heart is for my students. Um, and so wanting them to know the Lord and not being able to share that is difficult. Um, and so but being able to share, I guess, my faith by the way that I love them and serve them while creating inroads to share the gospel with coworkers has been really important. Really important. So my experience when faith does come up in my school or even when I'm teaching, especially because of the content that I teach, um, typically it's pretty hostile towards Christianity. Um, it's pretty hostile towards the gospel message, um, but more so especially towards Christians. Um, and so it is difficult to lead those conversations on when they often end negatively. Seeing and teaching my students gives me such an image of the gospel and I walk in every day wanting to serve and love my students, wanting to give them something that's really good. Um, and so when they reject that, it reminds me that I too, only by the grace of God, did I accept, um, did I accept the gospel myself.
Being in intentional relationships is probably where I see the most fruit, I think, and especially not being able to share my faith explicitly or openly or directly, um, then certainly building relationships with people is the number one way that um, I get from coworkers all the time. You know, you're different than most religious people I know. You know, you're different than those, you know, mean Christians I see on Facebook, you know? Um, and so just knowing that I'm able to share and to invite in and to, um, even if I'm not necessarily having people over to my house every day, um, I'm still extending hospitality by meeting people where they are every day. Uh, relationships take so much time to build into and to, to cultivate. And so when it comes to students, uh, that was the first lesson I learned as a teacher was that there's no way to f to speed up building trust. Um, and so with students, with families, um, just spending time, I think especially with them, getting to know them, uh, really knowing each other's stories um, has been so important in building trust with them so that I can have those conversations. So now a year later with the same students, I can say, actually, here is the worldview um, that is, you know, maybe in contrast to yours. And here's how people believe differently. And here's why it's possible to be intelligent and be a Christian at the same time. Understanding um, that time is important and being able to bear the insults or bear negativity or bear the teasing, whatever that was, um, because it meant that there was a possibility that one day by being faithful, I'd be able to share Christ with them. I believe it's the the hard work of being humbled over and over and over again um, in order to build a character in me that will one day bear fruit if in some other season. All right, number five, I can't help but pray for opportunities. I can't help but pray for opportunities to devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about His mysterious plan concerning Christ. That's why I'm in chains, here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. To pray for opportunities. Now, we want all of our children to know how to swim. It's a life skill you need in this state because there's like water everywhere. And we were talking about it, and so this kid had swimming lessons, and my wife's like, maybe he just needs more swimming lessons. And I said, he just needs more time in the water. I never had swimming lessons. Just let him be in the water. Figure out hours and hours of being in the water. He'll figure out how to swim. Give him some motivation. Give him some instruction. Let him be in the water, and he'll figure it out. He'll get good at it. And the same thing is true with sharing your faith. We can talk about it all the time, and we can you know, give principles and you know, practical resources and everything, but... You get better at it once you start trying to do it. Maybe you can even practice on yourself. I heard that Billy Graham used to practice preaching to the trees before he would preach before, before he was even given the opportunity to preach in front of large groups of people. So what if you were to practice on your friend or practice on your dog? Um, but just be prepared. Be ready. Pray for opportunities. Pray that you proclaim the message as clearly as you should and make the most of every opportunity. Think about Okay, I get to go out to lunch with this person. Does God want me to do something in this situation? Or, hey, I'm having a conversation with somebody here in my neighborhood. Does God want me to do something to point this conversation towards Jesus? I can't help but pray for opportunities. So on your bulletin, it says, think about it. What bold words do you need to speak to yourself today? Number two, who do you know that needs to hear the bold words of correction or encouragement from you this week? Number three, who do you know that needs to know Christ? What bold words can you speak that will lead them towards Christ? 
Some resources that can help you grow are Crash the Chatterbox, Hearing God's Voice Above All Others by Stephen Furtick. Um, Greg Laurie's Tell Someone You Can share the, share the Good News. So Tell Someone You Can Share the Good News is a great book. We actually handed those out. I think it was last year. And then What Every Christian Should Know, which is, we have those, uh, it's an audio set on CD we can get you to borrow if you want by Greg Laurie. Those are good. Uh, know What You Believe and Know Why You Believe by Paul Little. It was written in the 70s, but it's really good. And then Matt Chandler has a uh, study on the book of Philippians called To Live is Christ and To Die is Gain. Uh, those are some resources that will help you grow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's easy to talk about sharing our faith, like it's easy to talk about playing football, but it's harder to do. It's harder to be good at, but we're not trying to do the skill on our own because your word says that your spirit will empower us, give us uh, the power we need to effectively be witnesses to share the gospel. And Lord, help us to do that. Lord, put it, a, put it as a burden on our hearts and a priority in our lives. Lord, we pray that you would do great things with the people that are here and the people that hear this message, that they would be looking for opportunities and that you would help them to be successful in those opportunities, that you would encourage them, that they would encourage others, and that there would be a revival sparked from uh, a group of people in a small town that spreads and that many people would be saved, their lives would be transformed, and that you would do great things. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. When uh, the first week that Pastor Chris preached on being bold, he said uh, that we can be bold because God is at work. And because God is at work, we know also that the results are not in our hands. The results are in God's hands. And that's freeing to know that I'm only responsible for being faithful. God's the one who's responsible for uh, the results. And so we can be free to, to dance, to sing, to praise, and to share. Thanks for listening. It would be great if you would let us know how you were encouraged by this message. We invite you to visit River Rock Church, 10 a.m. Sundays at 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. You can connect with us, find more messages to listen to, and get resources to help you grow in your faith at riverrockchurch.com.